Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. Hi, this is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Christian Roth of BD Diesel. I'm Braden Fleece, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. Over the, the holidays, we chatted with a ton of people about their goals and things that they're working on for 2021, and we're really excited to be able to cover some of these things, talk about some of the builds that people have out there, new products that are going to hit the market. So we're really, really pumped up to see what's going to happen in the diesel industry this year and, and with events and racing and the, the really cool things people worked on over the winter. This, uh, this episode is going to be, it's a huge topic and it's about the, the push for electric vehicles. We're starting to see more of them come out from the big three and we are going to chat with Lenny Reed from Dynamite Diesel Products. And recently I had seen that they have an injector rebate program and I want to ask him specifically what inspired him to do this? Why, why does he want to get these injectors that aren't even his off the street what, what what's the goal and in talking about this you know we're definitely going to be jumping into electric um, the perception of diesel that it's dirty the trucks that are on the street and what we can do like real concrete ways things that we can do to change that perception and not get to the point that vehicles are mandatory that they're they're electric that we have to plug them in so it's going to be really insightful before we get to it though i want to give a shout out to a couple of the companies that help make the podcast possible first is mishimoto with race season you know coming up right around the corner and towing season you know once we get into spring and summer keeping your truck cool becomes really important especially with a trailer behind it or if you're at the tracks we encourage you guys to go to mishimoto.com check out what they have for your cummins duramax or power stroke or if you're working on a project vehicle, they've got a bunch of universal products as well if you need to do a custom setup. And if you're a shop owner out there and you need to get these trucks back on the road for your customers, check out Turn 14 Distribution. If you're not set up with them, they have warehouses across the country. And when you call in and you say, hey, I'm a, I'm a diesel shop owner, they get you to an account manager that focuses on diesel. So they're going to know the brands you're talking about and know exactly you know what you need. So you're working with somebody who's familiar with the trucks and the products that you want. All right, let's get to the podcast with Lenny and talking about if diesel smoke is going to make electric vehicles mandatory. Lenny, welcome back to the Diesel Podcast. I'm, uh, I'm always excited to chat with you. We always have really great conversations, and I think uh, we have a, a lot of cool stuff on tap for today, so it's glad to have you back on. I really appreciate you having me back on. There's uh, so much going on in the industry right now and just, you know, in the world in general and with the, the swing and powers being this is a great time to be on this podcast because I really, I've got some messages I want to stress to some people and, you know, they don't understand what goes on in my mind. So they, they may see or hear me talk and it may upset people, but in the long run, like I'm trying to get across the message that, that helps us all in the diesel industry for the longest amount of time. Interesting. You mentioned that because the other day I'm like scrolling through Instagram checking stuff out and I see a dynamite, diesel products post 
and it's about this injector trade-in program. And I had so many questions off of it. And I think it, it, it kind of goes to what you just mentioned right now with, with what you're, what you see, what you're trying to do and, and you really help and kind of, you know, help the industry go in a, in a direction. So I wanted to ask you about that and how it ties into what you just said with, you know, everything kind of going on in the world and in diesel and, and everything else. Well, I mean, last weekend I was watching the news first thing in the morning and, uh, you know, you, you Depending on if you're on the left or on the right, I, I don't care. I'm not, you know, we're not here to talk about politics. But the news <clears throat> is probably the least respected, most unreliable in its entire history. Meaning, I don't think anybody, whether you're on the left and you watch CNN or whether you're on the right and you watch Fox News, I don't think anybody truthfully believes what their team is saying. And that's a scary spot because when, you know, for years, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, people have been watching the news, watching newspapers, and newspapers were kind of cool because by the time you typed it and then it went to print, there was a good chance that when you typed it on paper, it was at least something you could back up with facts. You could reference where you got that information and boom, there it is. And today, everything's, you know, everybody's had newspaper basically in their front pocket and it changes four million times a second, depending on what website or what you're watching. So undocumented knowledge is probably the dissenting, you know, people are blaming Trump because he's divided the country, and I don't believe that's true. I think that Trump's, the way he speaks is very offensive to some people that, you know, need a little more pandering, but I think what's disintegrated people's union is the fact that everybody's got a phone in their pocket and it's basically a computer and they're constantly on some social media platform or watching some news broadcast and it really, it's undocumented news. There's not a lot of truth to what I see. There's a lot of untruth to the the local, I watch, man, when I moved here, I really appreciated the fact that when I came to this town, you know, I left the Seattle, Washington area, and every single morning I turned on King 5 News. And back then it was like, hey, we found three more dead people. There's a shooting. There's this. There's that. There's, there's traffic backups. It was, it was miserable. Like, I didn't even like watching the news because it was so depressing. And then when I moved here, uh, the news was like, hey, look, we're at the local food bank. We're doing this food drive. We're, we're trying to help people. Hey, look, we're down here at the uh, – that this big fancy building downtown sponsored by so-and-so and we're doing this shred right thing. Like we're going to shred all your, your tax documents and all your papers free of charge. Just, you know, swing on in. We're taking care of it. And it was always a really positive thing. This year, even my local news has said some things that are untrue. And I've sent them messages and said, hey, P.S., by the way, you know, here's a link to this. You know, you're the news. You're supposed there's eighty year old people that don't know any better that trust what you say to be gospel. So before you spread untruth, please research it better. That is your job. And of course, you know, you don't get a response from that. When you call when you text them a picture and, and show them the sunrise, they, they post it for you. But when you call them out on it on the truth being not the truth, 
they don't want to talk about it. And that that's a scary spot for you and me because we're in the diesel industry. And the diesel industry, like, we have – we've got the worst reputation for being the dirtiest burning fuel out there. And it's really not – I see if, if Biden ends up being our next president, the rate of acceleration, what the EPA has been up to, could ramp up, and I don't want to know where it goes. I, I, I want zero acceleration of destroying my industry. Been in it too long. I've got too many dollars invested in tools. My knowledge is all in this. So for me to leave this industry because I'm forced to and go learn something else, totally possible. But at my age, I don't want to go learn something else. And these, uh, these companies that have been selling garbage parts and smoking way too much, they're, they're not helping the cause. They're hurting the cause. I've been preaching about K-factor and whole composition and you know, whole design for a very long time, and it's a big deal. And this year, you know, since we bought the EDM, we've applied for a couple of patents, and those patents have been granted to us. So we've got this hydraulic pilot that we're working on, and it works extremely well. That patent's been given to us. We've got some counterboring, so it reshapes the hole and how it sprays fuel. And we're still testing that, but the patent's been applied for, so if it hits and it sticks, then it's mine. But those things were designed to try and get rid of the black smoke, which has given this industry a black eye. Um, I thought this weekend, how do I change the planet today? And instantly I was like, well, you offer to trade in people's junk because a lot of people, they're buying used trucks. And these people that, that, that bought this truck, they don't love the way it runs. Well, that guy, if I can give him some money for his stuff and he gets something that actually doesn't burn like that and it, it runs clean, he's happy. And we're trading in, like, old used junk. Like, you know, it can be stock parts, but if they're wore out and they smoke, I don't want you on the street offending possibly your state senator or somebody with a video camera that's just videotaping you and then going to post you on the Internet and say, wow, this is the reason why diesel should be outlawed. So, you know, Saturday I thought, I'm just going to cook up this little plan, and I'm going to offer people money to get rid of their garbage. Get it off the street. And if we get it off the street, we're going to quit poking the bear. And if we quit poking the bear, I feel like the long run of this industry has a longer run ahead of it. I saw an article. I think it was the New York Times. This was real recent, like the last week or two. I'm not sure if you saw it where they were talking about illegally modified diesels and tying it into coronavirus and everything. And I'm like, this is mainstream media. You know, this is, I don't necessarily read the New York Times, but it, it it's something a lot of people see. And now you're linking a truck to a pandemic that nobody's liked and has changed all of our lives and affected a lot of people. And you're linking it together. And it goes back to what you were just saying with, you know, do you trust the the news source? And I think what's really important <clears throat> about what you mentioned was with these injectors or, or the trade-in program, it's not, hey, um, I want to give you an inferior product or I want to give you something that doesn't work as well because I don't want to see the smoke or I don't want you offending people. That's not it at all. It's, and I definitely want you to, to go more in depth with this part is about what you guys do and ways that you can have that particular truck, no matter the brand or the year, 
run better, maybe even make a little bit more torque, have it more usable, and have it not be something that makes the New York Times cover, linking it to coronavirus and respiratory issues and all that kind of stuff. I I 100%, the way we did it at first, it, it literally started with me on my couch, and I made an uh, Instagram post. Our social media guy grabbed it from the Instagram, posted it to Facebook, and Monday morning when we walked in, in sales of Dynamite Diesel, which was really, you know, I'm not a big planner. Like, anybody who knows me knows that Lenny doesn't plan nothing, ever. <laughs> I walked in Monday. We had our mor- Monday morning meeting, and then Donnie, he starts laughing because I knew that I'd be, you know, busy dealing with all this injector trade and stuff. He's laughing because I said, I'm going to take over Drew's office for the day, and I'm going to sit next to you, and we're going to, you know, you can hear me talking to these people, and, and that way there's at least two of us that are, you know, under the same brainwave on how we're going to attack this program and make it work. We got over 60 emails throughout the weekend and on Monday. Well, Monday at like two thirty, three o'clock, I finally left for lunch, and I came home, and I was thinking, man, I am spending way too much time on each one of these deals. Like, this could be 60 hours tied up into 60 emails. This is not, this is not going to work. Um, then I decided that I would cook it up, and, and I'm not technically able to do this. So I went back to work, and I grabbed Matt, and I grabbed Donnie, and I said, boys, here's what I need you to do. I need you to cook up a new email address, and it's going to be just injector trade-in at dynamitediesel.com. And I want you to set up that email box on my phone so I can use it on my iPad or I can use it on my phone, and I can poke at them at my own leisure. I can poke at – if I'm EDMing, I set up a part, and I've got three, four, five minutes before I have to touch the part again. Well, I could poke at one of these emails if it's on my phone. So we set up this uh, injector trade-in at dynamitedoodle.com, put it on my phone, and then – instead of letting people just kind of give me some willy-nilly information about their build, it basically turns into like a custom injector order form, like what's your desired horsepower level, what have you done to the truck, blah, 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 blah. A lot of times it's not just the injector's fault, and it's not just a bad tune, and it's not just a bad turbo. It's basically tuner didn't realize what he was tuning, sent out his normal tune that works pretty good in everybody else's truck, but then that tune wasn't designed to go with this injector, and it definitely wasn't you know, designed to go with that turbo. And the consumer has told nobody that he's doing this all on a factory lift pump, so they're asking for seven or 800 horsepower with injected fuel, but they've got a lift pump that will support 400 or possibly even less. So I basically broke it down into all the questions that we need to answer to make sure that I know that you have a good, stable truck. And then I respond with, hey, P.S., by the way, your horsepower goal is, you know, call it 700. You don't have enough turbocharger, period, so I can give you the cleanest burning injector on the planet, but you're still going to smoke because you won't have enough air to dilute down the fuel, so your air-fuel ratio is going to be too rich, it's still going to smoke. I can't help you until you step up and buy a new turbo or you take your power level requirement and turn it down because you've only got enough turbocharger for 500 horsepower. So it's not just uh, me trying to sell injectors or me trying to fix the planet with just injectors, but it's also like me trying to help these people that have bought all these parts from XYZ123 
and they cook them up together, and it doesn't work. And I'm trying to help them fix that because at the end of the day, I pay taxes, and I drive on the city streets, and those streets are as much mine as they are yours or anybody else's. But if you're upsetting your, your state congressperson, your state senator, because he could be parked next to you at any given moment, if they see something offensive, no matter how good or bad it is to the environment, they don't care. It's offensive visually. They don't care about the guy with a 1,000-horsepower Corvette parked next to him on the other side because all the NOx gas in the world is coming out of the tailpipe, which is killing us but they can't see it, so it's not offensive. But the Corvette guys aren't being attacked. Like you, you see the street outlaws. Those guys burn a ton of alcohol going down the strip. You know, they rent a piece of the street. They claim that <clears throat> they're, they're breaking the law by out here, you know, street racing, but we all know that's not really true. It's entertainment, and that's cool. But they're not being sued. But everything diesel-wise, like that picture you saw in the New York Times – you got this truck with, like, big old, like, implement tires, probably, like, what, 55, 60 inches tall, in a mud bog, obviously a closed-course racetrack. One picture gets taken. It gets posted to somebody's Facebook. That Facebook post gets copied, edited, and then, boom, it's on the New York Times. Well, that truck had a smokestack had 60-inch tall tires on it, and was not something you're ever going to see on the highway. But the EPA is not responsible for a, a racetrack or the street. They're, they're responsible for the air. If we quit poking the bear, we will stay alive longer. And people need to understand that. There, there are so many, so many parts of that that I think are coming to a point, and then, as you mentioned earlier, probably relatively quickly, is... You know, these people don't sit back and go, well, okay, well, let's talk about diesel fuel as an energy source and, and what does it do after it comes out of the tailpipe and where does it go? And, you know, what about this, that thousand horsepower Corvette? It's just whether it's time or just not knowing or maybe other reasons, if we don't see it, it's like it almost doesn't exist. It's not at the forefront of everything. And there's so many people and so many companies and so many enthusiasts and People who use the, they need these trucks for their particular industries, or they maybe they just like them. Is it's all it's all almost a, a, a it's about perception and how long you know does it stay around? And we've been hearing about electric vehicles and Tesla and a whole bunch of other different things, and we think, oh well, there's no tailpipe. This is this is great, you know, and 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 people gravitate or starting to gravitate more towards it now than before. And I wanted to ask you about that particular part is, you know, why is this so important? Is it just about popping up on, you know, the EPA's radar or just having, you know, being on the cover of New York times or some article, or how does it go deeper towards, you know, people's livelihoods, businesses, employees, and just transportation? I thoroughly 100% believe in, in my, in my soul. Like, I would take a lie detector test. I believe this to be 100% true. Any single time you take one form of energy, transfer it to another form of energy, you will have a loss. 
I believe that you can discover that through all sorts of different science experiments. If you take uh, sun and then turn it into AC current, there's you're not getting all of the sun's energy into that tube to transfer it into AC, and AC is not storable, so you can't put it into a battery. So then you would take a battery charger, you'd plug it into an AC wall, and the wall at 110 volts, boom, you turn the battery charger on for 90 minutes, it takes the AC, it loses some of its energy, and it charges your car battery into DC, which is storable. Now, if you don't recharge the battery with an alternator, the battery at one point will not start your car ever again. So you're back to plugging it into the wall. You plug it into the wall, and if it's a solar tube, that solar tube has a fine life. You manufacture it, you, you poke it out into the sun, and it starts to break down. There will be a day when everybody who's using solar, thinking they're going green, goes, oh, crap. You mean that when the solar panel breaks down, it leaves a bunch of poisonous gases, and then we bury the solar panel, and then it screws up the water table. Woof, we didn't think that one all the way through. When coal is burnt, you take a fuel, you generate it to AC, and boom, it, it keeps your, your food cold in your refrigerator. So it went from heat to cold. There was a loss all along the way. If every single person in California had a DC-powered car, there would be so much loss there would be so many rolling brownouts. They would be, oh, my Lord, my grandma died because her electricity was turned off. And your car was being charged, but my grandma's electricity was off, so she, she got cooked. It was 112 degrees outside in Redding, and my grandma had no air conditioning, so she passed away. These are the things that the EPA is not really responsible for looking at. But... If we just mandate everybody uses one form of energy, then what are we going to do with all the batteries? Like when all these lithium batteries go bad, where do they go? Well, let's find a really deep spot in the ocean and just pray that it doesn't bite us. Okay, well, we can try that. I don't believe that's a great alternative, but I'm not a scientist and I haven't looked at it. But I don't think that many of these other forms of energy have been really looked at. Natural gas, it's a great way to pull some energy out of the planet. I also think that if we stopped pulling that energy out of the planet, our planet becomes pressurized, and it's got to erupt at some point. So have we delayed earthquakes and volcanoes because we're tapping off of that energy slowly but surely? It is natural gas. You're not going to just run out of it. You're not going to stop it. The center of our planet is very, very hot. It creates gas. We've possibly been tapping off of it, and possibly, I'm not smart enough to say, and I don't have enough money to research it, but possibly we're preserving our planet by burning natural gas. The unfortunate part is, is like, I'm just trying to stay alive in my own industry. And my industry right now needs help by getting rid of the black smoke. So we've learned a lot in 20 years. You know, I just, Patrick, did you recently see, well, a couple months ago, did you see that I just bought a 1997 Cummins-powered pickup truck? Yeah, I saw some pictures. I think uh, you guys had an update recently, and I was, I was checking it out. Greatest barn find ever. Like, I, <laughs> I paid more for the truck used than it cost new. 
but it's a 1997 Dodge 2500 with it had 13,400 miles when I bought it. Wow. Nobody had ever adjusted the aneroid, so the the star wheel had never been touched. Pump timing had never been touched. All of the paint on the injector lines was perfect. Those things have this like Cummins Bluke B L U K E paint, and Bluke paint is very brittle. It's very thick, but when you touch it with a wrench, it chips off. This thing was 100% pure, perfect virgin, like never been touched with a wrench. The the first thing I did is I took the injectors out of, well, I dynoed it, and it made 175 horsepower. Don't remember what the torque was. Uh, I put a set of our 10-hole injectors in it, which have supported about 750 to 800 horsepower. Popped them in it and it picked up like 90, close to 90 horsepower. Smoke output was still like stock. I then advanced the timing from like say 13 and a half degrees and I bumped it clear up to 20 because I'm putting more quantity down its throat than it used to have, so I need to advance the timing to make sure I get it burnt in the proper amount of time. The truck ended up making 290 horsepower basically from 175 to 290 and the smoke output is still way less than 30 parts per million. It's like low, low, low teens. Smoke-free virtually. And I'm thinking, man, there's so much to learn with this truck because back when I was working on those trucks when they were newish, I was doing what everybody else was doing, and I didn't have enough um, smarts to really understand why we were doing it or what we were doing. I was just doing what we were doing. Like, I'm just hopping things up, right? And now I understand that when you take the cam plate out, you allow the injection pump to stroke full forward, and full rack means you inject fuel longer. Well, I know from common rail now that 3,000 microseconds is a great way to melt the motor. And I know from common rail that, you know, at given RPM, there is a certain microsecond that's happy. So my truck still has stock cam plate in it. I've not taken the Android housing off of it yet. We're going to do a transmission next week. When the tranny's done, I'm going to put a turbocharger and our, our regular pump mods in it, and I'm going to see how far I can shove the 180 pump up with managing EGT and keeping, and this is a new thing, like pay attention, people. I'm going to measure the, the air-fuel ratio on this truck for the first time ever. Like I've never done that in the past, but I'm going to start monitoring air-fuel ratios and see if that number comes into a correlated EGT number. We've always done EGT. This, this the entire diesel industry is what's your EGT, what's your back pressure, your drive pressure, a.k.a., what's your boost level, where's your timing at. I want to see what my air-fuel ratio looks like at 1,300 degrees, at 1,600 degrees. And we did buy, we bought another dynamite uh, land and sea dynamometer. It's a, it's a chassis dyno, but it's a bit different because you got to pop the rear tires off and you basically bolt these big hubs up. They're two eddy currents per side and they're overdriven, so it's rated at 6,000 horsepower, which means I can basically take this dyno and bring this truck straight to its knees. Like I can, I can program the dyno to let it go up to 100 miles an hour in, well, just a, an example, if we have a truck and we made a quarter-mile pass and we know that it quarter-miled at, uh, at, say, 136 miles an hour and we know that it took uh, 9.8 seconds to do it, 
I can program 9.8 seconds in, I can start at zero, and, I, and the dyno will say, okay, look, I'm going to let you go 136 miles an hour in exactly 9.8 seconds, and it measures the horsepower in all the gears all the way up, so I can see exactly how much horsepower it generated and exactly what my boost and my drive pressure is and what my timing maps look like for that many seconds all the way up to that many miles an hour. <laughs> were, Boom. When you were talking about the power increase there, it, it got me thinking about something, and that's that for the longest time as an enthusiast, we've thought that, well, if the truck's going to make – good power have increased power then a byproduct of that is going to be smoke and if that's not there then it doesn't mean that you're making the power but i think that's what's so crucial about this is that that's not true and it it feels like the technology and the expertise and the things you just went through are coming into play where you're able to have that or greater power with this less visual part of it that is rapidly changing the diesel industry and businesses and livelihoods and all those sorts of things, which can't be understated how important that is. We, so air fuel ratio is basically this many pounds of air gets pumped into your motor and this many grams of diesel gets pumped in your motor that's a fuel that's your air and your fuel right yeah initially we myself and our tuner who really wants to be unnamed we bought an air fuel ratio monitor and it went uh, basically up to 20 um the 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 leanest it would go would be like 20. and I plugged into my 19 truck, we started driving around, and the thing was instantly maxing out the meter. And if I stood on the gas pedal, it would come down to 19 or 17 to 1. And then cruising, when things were normal again, it would be 20, maxed right out. And we talked to the air fuel ratio people, and we talked to more people, and we talked to more people, and we talked to more people. Basically, we need to be looking closer. We need to be deep into the 30s for diesel. So that right there, I mean, science basically breaks it down. If I've got 13 parts of air to one part of gasoline, and that's a, a rich running gas motor, but my diesel motor is 20 parts of air to one part of diesel. Duh. That's why they get such better mileage. But it's not just 20. By the time we get these things running right down the highway, we're going to be in the 30s. So going to the Summit Racing Catalog or whoever you want to buy from, all of the air fuel ratio monitors for gasoline and alcohol only go to 20 to 1. We had to get one that will read up to 40 to 1, and it's a pain. We were asking people, and they were like, why would you do that? What, what fuel are you burning? We're like, these are like, oh, yeah, okay, got it. So the new dyno that we have, all of the AFR, all of the NOx gas, all of the nitrogens, hydrocarbons, all of it is going to be data recorded with each dyno pass. So it's several, 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 several thousand dollars to get all this equipment. And I'm buying the equipment right now, and once we get the dyno here in the next three months-ish, it'll be integrated into the dyno room. So when we plug in for a pass, I'm going to be able to data record and, and document what we're doing. 
And it's really important for a vehicle that's got a, a diesel particulate filter or an SCR on it to make sure that we're not messing with that. If we go too much particulate matter, we're going to be going into regeneration too frequently, and that's going to hard face and ruin the DPF and shorten the life of the DPF. Well, nobody likes that because they're really expensive. We're learning a lot. And by say learning, I mean like tomorrow I'm going to learn more. Today I learn more. The day after I'm still going to continue learning. We're not, we're not smart yet. We're not geniuses yet. We don't know it yet. And, you know, if I can kind of circle back, we've been burning gasoline and diesel for a very, very, very long time, and we're still learning. So if all of a sudden we dump all of the technology that we've developed over the last 100 years, 100 and change, and we go to electricity, what are we about to learn? Because the first 30 years, even with technology being as fast as it is, when everybody has to go from diesel or gas, and instantly they've got to start moving your refrigerator, your washer, your dryer, the trusses for your new home, when they have to start moving real objects using batteries, what will the learning curve look like? Is it going to be free? Is it going to be clean? Absolutely not. There's always, a, there's always some form of energy being spent. You saw that post where that, that natural gas or that diesel generator was plugged into the uh, electric car that I posted. Yeah. Okay, great. You don't have a tailpipe, and you can drive down the road feeling great about yourself. But at the end of the day, your battery was charged off of a fuel. And during that charging process, there was a loss. So instead of feeling great about yourself, you should feel really shitty because you spent fuel to make your electric charge happen. And your electric charge is not, it's not a permanent charge. To where I could drive a Volkswagen TDI down the, down the freeway at 40 miles per gallon, and I'm not wasting anything. It's just making 40 miles per gallon. And I know how to dispose of that. I know what the – we've got 100 years of technology under our belt, and we know exactly what it's doing with air. We also know that if the younger fellows and the people that are trying to buy cheap parts don't stop buying cheap parts and they don't – they need to stop rolling coal. As offensive as that may sound to somebody that thinks that it's cool to roll coal, you're wrong. The fastest pro-mod vehicles in the diesel industry, they spool up with a little bit of brown, they leave, and it's you can see the back of the car at the end of the track. Okay, well, Lenny, what about the, uh, the pro-stock uh, tractor guys? Okay, cool. Like, let's talk about them. Those guys are limited on the inducer size, meaning if they go to the proper air-fuel ratio mixture to make the most amount of horsepower, it's really, really, really hot exhaust gas temperature-wise. And that being said, they're going to melt the motor if they don't overfuel it to quench the flame back down. So that's why you see, like, the 3,000 horsepower pickups or – you know, the 3-inch the class now still rolls coal, but it's, it's doing that to keep itself cool. If you don't use the diesel in those limited air classes as a cooling agent, you just melt the motor. Well, nobody can afford to go to a pole and then buy a new motor. So I do feel like PPL, that's the grandfather of all pulling. They're going to have to try and play ball with us, and they're going to have to start saying, hey, look, guys, here's what we need to do. 
we need you guys to run cool and keep your motors together longer, but we need to quit giving pictures of what we're doing to the air to everybody that's against us. So how about you back down the air-fuel ratio and we give you water? We give you some other we give you another way to keep it cool other than just going super rich. So things are going to change, and I believe that all forms of motorsports are always the leading edge of technology. If we in the racing slash pulling industry can figure out how to keep the tailpipes clean, then everybody on the street should be able to keep the tailpipe clean. If you quit offending people, they will have less to cry about. They will leave us alone longer, and we will get to make really good power, we'll get to have a lot of fun, and we'll still be able to move our camp trailers, our boats, our jet skis, our snow machines. We're still going to be able to do that stuff and have a good time doing it. They don't need to know you make 800 horsepower. Just don't roll coal. It's pretty simple. I think a really important part, you know, with that as well is like, you know, someone may be listening and they'll say, well, I don't care if I offend these people. It doesn't matter to me. But as we've seen over, gosh, I don't know, maybe a couple of years or maybe even longer, it has, it, it's, it goes even farther than that. It goes into actual policy. It goes into people who have lost their businesses, um, people who are no longer making products for diesel pickup trucks, or it's drastically changed. It's, it's affected the marketplace and what you can buy as a consumer. So it's not, it goes so far, you know, it goes so deep with it that it has real repercussions where we can't just say, well, I don't care if, if, you know, the New York times doesn't like this truck or doesn't like my truck. And, and I think that's where, I think that's where it, it all meets together is if I can have more performance, better performance, better economy, um, more torque and, I know that the companies are still going to be around to support this truck in the next five that I buy. Great. Because the other way isn't working. It hasn't worked. And it's being forced really to change fast. And, and, and we've talked about it before on other episodes, but you know, especially now and what may be taking place in the next couple months, it's, it's, it's still going to be there. Um, there's still going to be pressure and it's like, you know, how quickly can, we take all the things that you've learned and are learning each day and be able to offer products and solutions for people like the injector trade-in program. I'm sure there's a lot of people like they're not emailing in because they're happy with their truck. They're emailing in because it's not running right or, you know, they're tired of this or tired of that. So there's, there's a problem that they have and they need a fix for it. And the fix isn't, you know, doing what may have been done 10 years ago or 15 years ago. It's like, Hey, I can get you a set of injectors. You're going to be happy with them. That was your problem. And you're probably going to pick up 50 horsepower, maybe hundred foot pounds of torque. And they're happy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Every here lately, I've been jumping on some of the forums on Facebook, 
and just reading. And some of the questions are horrible. Like it's it's people that don't know how to ask certain things, so they say it, you know, in in really open terms. And I've been trying to be very helpful and get people up to speed. And you know, I'm picking up Facebook friends like crazy because dudes are like, "Who's this guy? Where did he come from?" Well, you know, before you were born, I was starting this industry. So here I am. I'm here to help. But above and beyond that, those Facebook friends are all buying stuff from guys that haven't been doing it like I've done it. They don't know what I know. And a bunch of the dudes that are telling people, some of the questions are like, hey, look, I got a 5.9. What's the best turbo? Okay. There's no way to answer that question. Um, I feel the stock turbocharger was really, really good at stock power. But what is your version of the best? As in, how many horsepower do you try and support? Let's start with that. Once we come down with that number, I even had a guy on the phone today. He's like, hey, man, like my truck makes 660 horsepower. I'm like, that's great. What do you want? He's like, well, I don't know, maybe 800. I said, cool. Above and beyond the injectors, you'll need a set of connecting rods because you're going to make your connecting rods very, very short very, very soon. What do you mean? 800 horsepower generates more torque than you currently have. That torque is extremely hard on connecting rods. It's going to turn your connecting rods into little miniature bananas. You're not going to have any compression. You're going to need to rebuild the motor. That's if you're lucky. If you're unlucky, it breaks the connecting rod, and it windows the side of the block, and you get to buy all of it. Underneath the hood, you just get to replace all of it. Oh. Well, maybe I don't need 800. Okay. He's like, yeah, my wife, she's not going to let me rebuild my motor. Okay, cool. So what do you really want to do with truck? Well, it's got this turbo on it. Okay, great. You have more turbo than you have horsepower goals. That's unfortunate because it's never going to drive right. Well, I do really like plant smoke. I understand that. Your your smoke is because your injector is too small and, and, and the crowd goes quiet. What? Yeah, when your injector is too small and you're using microseconds to generate horsepower, you're losing compression based off of the amount of time you're trying to inject fuel. Piston's heading back down the hole. You're losing compression. You're chasing the piston down the hole with a flame. Exhaust valve opens, and all of the offensive-looking unburnt hydrocarbon hits the atmosphere. We could bump up the injector size and match it properly to the turbocharger, talk to your tuner, and get him to set up your tune like this, this, and this. And at that point, you'd be able to make the same amount of horsepower with zero smoke. What? So a bigger injector is going to be less smoky? As a matter of fact, it will. All of those things are based off of gear ratio, transmission, turbocharger size, compression, cubic inches. I hate it. It, it frustrates me deeply because people that say I have a Cummins think that a 6.7 and a 5.9 is the same. It's not. It's not the same animal. I've driven both, promise you. A 6.7 drives a, a four-series turbocharger quite well. A 5.9 does not. And now I'm going to get some guy that's actually driving a 5.9 with a 4, and he's going to be like, mine drives great, bro. It don't. Drive to my town. We'll start out at 2,500 feet of elevation. We'll drive up the pass, towing a trailer. And when I get to the top of the pass, I'll wait for you. Because your truck doesn't drive a 4-series turbocharger downstairs. So unless you've put a lot of gears to make the mechanical gear ratio to where you can actually get the engine RPM up enough to drive that turbocharger, 
it's not going to work. You take an SXE369, that's good for 100 pounds of air per minute and some change, like a little bit over 100. You put it in a 6.7, and it's full song by 2,200 RPM. You put the exact same turbocharger, like literally just unbolt it from a 6.7, bolt it onto a 5.9, put it on a dyno. That thing doesn't see full song until it's at 2,600 RPM. Want to know how I know that? Tested it. On the dyno. Like, it was that simple. It's not my opinion. It's not my... It's not, it's not my emotions. It's a number. Like, the graph shows me what the graph shows me. And that being said, the graph does not like big turbochargers on 5.9s unless you've got mechanical gear ratio that enables you to use that kind of RPM to drive that turbocharger. So it's not the injector either. Like, it's, it's all of it. The system has to be put together. So there's the injector trade-in form. It's a great way for me to look at the entire package and try and help some consumer that's not real. They haven't been doing it for 20 years. And I'm not making fun of them. I'm just trying to make sure they quit smoking on intersections. If we take the 60 emails, if, if half those get turned into injector trade-ins, then that's 30 trucks that leave a stoplight on average half dozen times a day. Some trucks don't get drove at all, and some, get, some trucks are driving all day long. So let's say that it's, you know, 30 trucks that, that don't smoke out 12 intersections each every single day. That's a good number. That's a good start. So if I do this every single week, pretty soon, there's a lot more clean-burning trucks out there, and, and all of you guys that drive diesel-powered vehicles will be picked on less by the EPA and all of the government agencies that hate your black smoke. Do you find that with not just truck owners, but just, you know, even with enthusiasts or in, in business, that people are more receptive to this now? Or is there still a lot of resistance to it? Um, I think that a year ago, actually it was this year, but I think it was January 2nd, you and I sat down for our first podcast this year. I said some things back then that I was predicting would happen in a year or two-ish. They happened in six months. So today, you know, there's a lot fewer tuning companies in December of 2020 than there was in January of 2020. This shit's real. It's happened. It's not just happening, but it happened, and it's not done happening. It's going to continue. So if you like performance and you like driving, you know, a, a solid truck, if you want to tow your camp trailer without having to worry about passing somebody, start to respect all of the diesel community. Reach out, get some help. Like, get, get your truck dialed in. You can drive. I've currently got a, a few projects. Uh, one project is, and they're all, Virtually smoke-free. Like, I want everything to be smoke-free. So I've got a, oh, it's a 95 P-pump truck. And we're using a quick-rate camshaft in it. And the reason for that is the quicker the, the injector event can happen, the less duration you'll have. So we're hoarding, you know, basically I'm trying to copycat what a real short-duration uh, common rail truck does. If we can build a P-pump with a ramp rate that's super, super fast, 
and we can put an injector on it that's properly sized and keep the injector line properly sized, then we should be able to make a really strong amount of horsepower with a street truck. And I mean by strong, I'm shooting for like eight to 900 horsepower smoke-free with just an S. It's a little, uh, you know, it's an S480, and I'm blowing that into an SXE363. And I'm shooting for a smoke-free, like eight, 900 horsepower. And that little, uh, that 97 crew cab truck that I got with the 180 pump on it, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dissect the hell out of that. Like, it's such a clean truck. It's so nice. I'm going to do all sorts of experiments. So when you call me in six months and say, look, man, I want this much horsepower, I've already got a turbocharger in the cooks, and the turbocharger is basically going to be – because those basically from 89 until 2002, all those trucks are kind of RPM limited, and they're definitely cubic inch limited. They're not 6.7s. They're only 5.9s. And the injection systems are all really, really low. Um, You know, a P-pump is going to inject fuel at maybe 1,000 bar, and that's a pretty nasty P-pump. That's not very much. If, uh, you know, 1,800 bar is a low-pressure common rail, so you're talking like 800 bar lower, and that's why those injectors had bigger spray orifices. They had to get the quantity in there to make the power, but that's where my pilot light, the, the hydro pilot thing that we've got cooking right now, that's what's cleaning up all those older injection systems is that. So we're still able to function with the low pressure, but we're doing some different things with hole diameter and, it's a good program. It works really, really, really well. So, um, man, there's just that that 97 truck is going to teach me a lot. And when I get taught by that truck, I'm going to share that information so others can drive around in their 94, any, any P-pump. They can drive around at, you know, basically four or 500 horsepower with a single turbo smoke-free. And if we keep adding air and we do the right thing with the injection event, then boom, here's your eight, 900 horsepower which is pretty ridiculous because right now, you know, there's probably, I'm just throwing a dart. Let's just say that there's 20,000 diesel-powered pickup trucks on the street right now that make 1,000 horsepower or more. That's That's a big number with a lot of power. But it's possible. Like, there is a lot of common rail trucks in North America, and making 1,000 horsepower with a common rail these days is not that hard. It's pretty drivable. So 20,000 is probably a really tall number, but I guarantee you there is a lot more 1,000 horsepower daily drivers in the common rail land than there is all the Camaros, all of the SRTs, all the Corvettes, all the Mustangs. You, you combine all those things together, and I guarantee you that horsepower being made, the diesel community wins, hands down. Like we're not even, I guarantee that number's not even close in daily driven vehicles. Yeah, it's. I, I think that you know that's the that's the hopeful part you know about all of this is to be able to see the the, the technology and then the things that that you learn through testing because who doesn't want an eight hundred to nine hundred horsepower daily driven twelve valve or a common rail or whatever type of diesel truck it is who doesn't want that. And to have it be efficient, I think we all do. And the quicker that it gets there, you know, as enthusiasts, we've got the power. We still have it. 
Um, it's still fun to drive. And the industry as a whole, the community as a whole, isn't under the microscope of government agencies and all the things that come along with that where, you know, it can almost seem hopeless or overbearing to, you know, people that are under that microscope or dealing with them. And so I think, I think it's something that gives us a lot of, uh, a lot of hope for the future. And, and you're right, you know, while we chatted in January this year about things, and I remember you talking about what you thought was going to happen. And then we got there much, much faster. And, you know, I think the, the program that you guys have and, and what you're doing is, I think it's going to be huge. I think you're probably going to need somebody or a couple people to monitor that email address, you know, moving forward because it's, it, it serves a great purpose. You know, you're helping people that want their vehicle to run better. And it hasn't really existed in this industry before where, you know, a program like that, or just the help like that, you could get it if you called around a whole bunch of times, but it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, so mainstream. It wasn't where maybe you do have two guys that, you know, are, are checking out those emails and calling people and, and serving a, a, a really good purpose for the diesel industry. You know, you mentioned something and, and that's like you said, if you called around enough, you could get help. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of play devil's advocate and tell you that if you call six different people, you'll get six different answers. Yeah. Traditionally speaking, as human beings, we want the best for the cheapest. So you call until the cheapest guy finally gives you the answer you're looking for, and then you buy. If five guys said it's going to be $3,000 to do this, and one guy said it's $2,000 to do it, that's a massive reduction in price. How come only one guy said that? You're probably getting shit. And then you spend $2,000 on garbage. You put it in, you drive it, you hate it. Too little, too late. The guy that took your couple of grand is like, bro, it's your truck. Bro, it's you. You need to do this to your turbo. You've got to get, you know, you've got to do all these other things. End of the day, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And stop calling around. Every single, I don't care where you call. You can call any e-commerce, you can call any shop, deal with who you really feel comfortable with and who sees the vision that you see. But make sure that you stress upon them right out of the gate what your goals are. If your goal is to tow your $200,000 horse trailer that's painted white and silver, make sure that the guy you're dealing with knows that right out of the gate. Because he's not going to tell you to buy 100% over injector ever. That should never come out of his mouth. But if you just call him and say, look, I'm, I'm looking to hop up my truck, you're looking for sheer disappointment because this guy assumes that you're just another guy that wants to go a little bit faster. And your wife, who really is proud of that $200,000 horse trailer, is now leaving you and it's being towed by a dude whose truck doesn't smoke. That'll happen. This is stuff that people need to know when they're shopping for parts. Like, make sure you're buying stuff 
that fits your goal. If you just shop and you buy a turbo from A and you buy injectors from B and you buy tuning from C and then you get D over here that's kind of throwing the mix and match bag of whatever into it, you end up with J-U-N-K and it never works. And then you're frustrated with all of them, A, B, C, D. You're frustrated with everybody and you want to blame everybody. But at the end of it, like it's actually your fault because you just tried to shop around and get the best deal on all this garbage. You have no business. I'm not I'm not a commercial electrician, so I don't wire up my own house. I don't wire up my own shop. Unfortunately, I call the electrician, and he says, I'm going to be this much per day. What day do you want me there? All right, cool. Make sure my building don't get set on fire, and I'm good. Like, I'll pay it. That's kind of how we have to be. These trucks, you know, a lot of people are peddling off stuff. You know, another thing that happened this year, man, this is a really important deal. Car lots. You know, at the first this year, I said, look, you're going to see a change to where your truck, you delete it, and it's worth less money. And at the first of this year, I got some hate mail out of that. People are like, are you, you crazy? Like, that's not real. Like, I delete my truck, it's worth more, because now I don't have to deal with all these other issues. Okay, that's great. As long as you keep your truck forever, that is true. But when you go to trade your truck into the local car lot, they can't sell it on their lot. If it's a really small little mom-and-pop car lot, they can, but it doesn't come with any sort of warranty. You drive it away, it's gone. But if you take it to a, a Ford, a Chevy, or a Dodge dealership, or a Toyota dealership, and it doesn't have emissions gear on it, they can't sell the thing. So they end up putting it on a website, and it basically goes up for auction that very second. And all these little tiny car lots start throwing bids at it. So they're going to offer you, let's just say NADA in your book is like 45 grand. They're going to give you half of that. So when you go to trade in your $45,000 truck, it's worth half of that. You trade in your $30,000 NADA truck with no DPF on it right now, any car lot that's legitimate is going to say, well, NADA's 30 years is deleted. It's worth $15,000. That happened. That happened this year. And then on top of that, to boot, there's been auctioneers that have been given citations this year because they were auctioning off trucks that were deleted. The EPA showed up at auctions, and they popped the auctioneers. Like January 2nd, I didn't know that was going to happen this year, but I knew that the change was coming. Well, it happened. It happened this year. So now auctioneer places don't even want to pedal your truck off. I think that's a lot of stuff that doesn't necessarily make it to like the mainstream, like the average, you know, enthusiast who's, you know, checking out Instagram or, you know, watching truck videos and browsing things is like, that's not always talked about or even really known. I didn't know that that happened. And I talk about diesel trucks all day, (laughs) you know, but that's, that's the, the way things are. And it's, it's always really insightful to chat with you about these things because we want to bring help bring that knowledge to the people who listen to the podcast and who whether they use it you know just to stay informed or they like the the truck that's on the cover on youtube or whatever it might be is to know these things are happening so this is why the changes are taking place this is why you know some companies uh, have changed so much or aren't around or they're doing different things 
within the industry. It's not because they just decided to do it. It's because there's real pressure and there needs to be a real call to action. And that's why when I saw the post that you guys had done, I thought there's a reason for this and I got to get Lenny on the podcast and ask him. And in listening to you describe it today, it's just been, it's, it's inspiring because I hope more companies do it. I hope more enthusiasts do it. I hope more people that love this industry and want to stay in it um, or keep driving our diesel trucks just see that and say, okay, I, I, I see the picture now. I, I understand this isn't, you know, just something we're talking about on a podcast that may or may not happen in the future. Like the, like you said, this stuff has happened. It's past tense. It's not something we're speculating on. No, this is this is as, this happened just as much as COVID happened. Like this 2020 was a rough year, and if we don't start to correct our actions, and if we keep trying to give the middle finger to America, every single time you roll coal through an intersection, you don't know who is videotaping you, and you don't know how or when, but sooner or later, that that coal rolling incident will affect this entire industry. I promise it. Everybody has a computer, phone, telephone, uh, camera in their pocket. And now, I mean, how, how many vehicles do you drive by in a day that have, like, the permanent recording camera? Like, they're waiting for accidents to happen to them kind of a thing, so they got the yeah. effect of their windshield. That's a real thing, man. Like, every single time I walk out my front door, I just think to myself, it's like, like I'm in some sci-fi deal where, how many pictures get taken of my face today? Yeah. <laughs> but it's a real thing, man. Like it is, yeah. you know, you go four wheeling and if you go off, you know, the, the, the legal border, you better be damn sure that nobody pulls out a phone all day long because somebody's going to post it on Facebook. And the next thing you know, that picture is going to get seen by some guy that works for the government. And everybody's going to be getting phone calls and visits because you went out of bounds for a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like it, we are not living in a, in an ignorant day and age. People have too many pictures taken every single day. And if you think that you're funny by rolling coal, you're not, man, you're just destroying the industry that I've helped build. And then I'm going to do my, my very best to try and maintain, but I can't drive everybody's vehicle. And, you know, I'm going to say this, like I had a guy come to my shop here, Oh, probably two months ago now. And he walks in. I was on the EDM. And he's like, hey, man, so uh, everybody around kind of says that you're like the, the, the P-pump, you know, guy. And I, I need you to work on my truck. And I looked at him. And I, I looked at the EDM. And I looked at him. And I was like, man, I, I don't work on trucks anymore. I'd love to help you. But I can't afford to walk away from this thing so I can work on your truck anymore. Like, I will gladly point you to somebody that can fix your truck. What's wrong with it? It smokes way too much. All right. Would you go for a ride with me? Yeah, I'll go for a ride with you. I drove this truck. How much power does this thing make? Eh, it makes like 600 and something. Patrick, I'd never driven a truck that made worse gurgling sounds in my life. This thing <laughs> sounded like you were stepping on a duck's throat. It was gurgling in its own fuel. This thing smoked so bad you couldn't physically drive it without it smoking. So, you know, he's like, man, I really need you to help me. Like, I know that you've been doing these things for a long time, and I know that you can fix it. And I said, look, kid, like, here's the deal. I'm not just 
magically good at doing this, that's ridiculous. But I've made some really good parts, so when I install my parts, I can calibrate them very, very well and accurately because I know my parts very well. You're going to have to buy some parts. He's like, okay, well, what do we do? Well, I'm going to do a, an opacity read on your truck, which is basically a measure of smoke. I'm going to snap the throttle, measure the opacity, we'll see what it does, and then I'm going to dyno your truck to see what it makes. And, I, you know, it was a couple months ago, and I, we were in the dyno shop every week, so I don't remember the exact numbers, but it made 400, 400 and some change. Not six, it was 400 and change. And it smoked the opacity meter out. The, the opacity meter reads 100 for maximum. It went straight to 100. So it was the worst running truck that I think I'd ever driven in a very long time. I handed him a box of injectors, said, put these in, and when you get them in, call me. I will meet with you again. We'll dyno it. We'll do an opacity read, and then we'll start calibrating the pump. Okay, great. So he puts the injectors in, and he's Facebook messaging. He's like, man, this thing's never had throttle response like this. It's never ran this nice, blah, 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 blah. Just carry on about how great it runs. Boost is up. EGT's down. The thing's, like, damn near smoke-free. I love it. I'm super stoked. Okay, great. We do an opacity reading, and the opacity is still too high. It was, like, in the 60s, which is way too much. But we put it on the dyno. It picked up, like, 50 horsepower, but it picked up, like, 200 pound-feet of torque because it wasn't drowning in its own fluid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm like, all right, kid, so here's your truck back. I've done what I can, but here's what we need to do next. And the truck runs good enough now. Like, it's massively improved that he hasn't been bothering me, and I'm, I'm so busy with the 2019 testing and everything else that we are going that I haven't really thought about until now. But we need to set the pump timing. We need to mess with the aneroid. We need to get it to where all of the, the aneroid housing itself is fully functional because that thing is a great tool, and it works awesome when you use it correctly. And that frustrates me because I've watched YouTube here lately, and oh, my Lord, there are some dudes that are making horrible recommendations. They're telling people how to modify aneroid housings and they don't even understand what an Android housing is supposed to do. And it frustrates me because all of these modifications are doing the exact opposite of what I'm trying to do, which is clean up the smoke. Make sure that your rack doesn't have to travel past like 16 millimeters of rack. Keep the injection event very, very short, and keep the injector big enough, but match the turbocharger and the gearing to make it all happen and not, not get super smoky. Like air-fuel ratio needs to be just right. Well, it's going to be your help and letting me talk about this on your podcast is going to be it's going to be huge because if and I'm going to do another thing this year we're going to actually start P pump classes and if the P pump class takes traction then I might start like a VE pump class and we might start doing classes in shop and basically it's going to be you know first and foremost my dynamite dealers I want my dynamite dealers who have been loyal to us to be protected and to make sure that they know how to dial stuff in correctly. Outside of that, I'll probably open up the class to anybody who wants to learn how to properly dial on a P-Pump. And it's basically going to be kind of like a two-day class, hands-on training. We're going to pull in a truck, whether it's one of the, you know, it could be one of the students' trucks or one of my trucks that I purposely just turn into a shit wreck. And then 
we basically dissect it and we undo all of the stuff that I've purposely set my truck up to do wrong. That way people can touch it, feel it, smell it, understand why we turn this screw, why we touch this, why we adjust that, why we've adjusted pump timing here, not there. I want guys to, like, go back to their own home shops, order some tools, and know how to use the tools correctly because we're selling, and we're just one shop, right? Like, we're not all the injector shops, but we're selling a truckload of, like, mechanical 89, 93 injectors, 94, 98 injectors, and 98.5 to 0.2. If I told you the number, how many we're selling every month, you wouldn't even believe me, and I'd sound like I'm bragging, but it's a truckload still to this day. Those trucks are over 20 years old, some of them, and they're still selling hundreds per month. Wow. The trucks are out there. Like, they're out there. You know, we're rebuilding 140-ish uh, 5.9 injector, common rail injectors every week, and that was only from 03 to 07. From 07 and a half to 18, the same injector works in all those trucks. Imagine how many 6.7 injectors are going to happen sooner or later. Those yeah. injectors are all going to be worn out. They're going to need to be replaced. They need to be rebuilt. We've invested very deeply in tooling that make our remand program beyond it, our remand program, it's, it's a labor of love and it's a lot of work, but our 5.9 remand stuff runs insanely good. And our 6.7 remand stuff, it's ridiculous how quiet and smooth they are. You, you breathe on the key, they start. It's the, the hydropilot that we design makes all the difference in the world. You start to be trucks at 30 degrees outside because We've, you know, I'm in northern Idaho, and it's basically the coldest I've seen it so far this year is about 24, 25. I can walk outside even with my 12 valve and don't even wait for the heat grid to stop, you know, like to end its cycle. I hit the key, and it fires for about two seconds, like literally just boop, 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 and then it runs, and it's not soaky, it's not hazy, it's not anything bad. There's so much cool stuff that we've done this year. It's when it finally takes traction and people start to see what we're doing, I really think the diesel industry has a, a new fighting chance at making big power without the smoke. Well, as always, Lenny, that's, uh, there's always a lot of great information and uh, you know things that uh, make us excited about being a diesel. So I know when we chat in January... We're probably going to have an entirely new set of things to chat about, but the the theme is still the same. the The core of it's still the same, and that's making you know the trucks run better than I think they ever have <clears throat> with the amount of information and testing and and just experience that you guys are having. So, as as always, thanks for for chatting with us today and talking about something really important and, you know, giving us all, you know, kind of a game plan or something we can look forward to when we do want to go a little bit faster, do want to tow a little bit better. And, you know, we're not having to sacrifice or say there, there is no more upgrades. There is no more, there is no better performance there is. And it's happening. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast. You get a lot of traction where I don't. And, uh, I really, I, man, what you're doing for the industry yourself is a big deal. And I think you're heading down the right path. 
I believe in you. I believe in, you know, there's there's a lot of folks in this industry who have come and gone already. And the folks that are in the industry right now, like I know most of the owners and whatnot as professionals, and I like basically almost every single person in my industry. Um, I enjoy hanging out at events with some of these people I even compete with because there's a lot of really smart people that are really fun to be around and you bounce ideas off one another and the amount of traction that we've gained knowledge-wise as a community, uh, engine programs, you know, just cylinder heads, valve springs, pistons, gaskets, all that stuff is getting so much better. And it goes back to the people that, you know, that are specifically into that. Like, you know, you talk to the guys at Diamond Pistons, and their piston rings aren't the same. Their piston rings have changed. But it's making our entire industry better and more reliable. And I love every single – I love every day. It's just awesome. Like, we're, we're doing so much cool stuff right now. And for all the, you know, younger people that haven't been around this industry very long, man, you've got – you're spoiled. The young guys that are just jumping into it now, they don't have to go through what me and – you know, the Phil Taylors of the world, we were doing this stuff before head studs were a thing. So we were having to use factory head bolts, and we were decompressing motors to keep the heads on them. And, you know, I still chat with Phil Taylor, that guy, you know, DPC converters, great dude, um, super sharp. But when we talk about the old days, I feel like I'm about 90. There's so <laughs> much change that's happened since day one till now, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's always uh... – it's always great to chat with uh, you know, people. Have seen all the different uh, the trends and, and everything else, and it's 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 really cool. You know, just I didn't get into it back then, but just from when I started, how I'd get information to where things are at now, and the things you talked about, you know, today. I don't even I don't remember ever hearing that. You know, in 2010 or 2013 or 14 or any of that stuff, and so it's it's helping us all grow, understand our trucks better. And I think, you know, at, at the core of it, we all just, we want them to make a bit more power, be a bit more fun, be more reliable, be more efficient. And I think there's a game plan for it. So thanks. Thanks again for you know, sharing with us what you guys are doing at dynamite diesel. And then also giving us some things to think about as far as, you know, perception and energy and how we approach upgrading our trucks. You know, I, I apologize that we, we went on for so long tonight because, you know, I know that you've got a life that you need to be dealing with outside of work. But, you know, to all the people that, um, you know, they're probably going to have to watch or listen to this podcast, you know, over the period of three or four different sessions. There's a lot of information that was spread between you and I here, but there's a lot more. And this year was thick with learning. So it's... Uh, you know, I, I just appreciate every single listener out there, and I appreciate you for giving me the opportunity. And this industry is uh, hopefully going to be – hopefully we're just now starting to take off and grow because I feel like the last three years technology-wise, engine programs, transmission programs, injector programs, turbo programs, I feel like that's all kind of started to blend together and get the stuff a lot better. And I hate to see it get destroyed by any government agency out of – sheer ignorance from a young fellow who's, and I personally, I'm telling all of America this right now, quit popping the manufacturers or the retailers for selling illegal products and start popping 
the drivers who are using the illegal products improperly. Some of these products are purposely being used for off-road use, like flood pull, drag race, all that stuff. But if there's a guy that's out just abusing the stuff and offending people, man, I'm all for it. And I will gladly help anybody educate themselves or any government agency on what we need to be doing to try and straighten things out. Like, I'll donate time. But right now, the EPA, the whole, it's just a bad deal. Like, the guy that's rolling coal in his 97 power stroke is more offensive than an L5P guy that can't hardly get his truck to smoke after he deleted it. But yet the L5P guy gets in trouble. That makes no sense to me. Yeah, man. Anyway, I can keep going on and on. I'm sorry, but uh, you have a great night, and I appreciate the time, man. Don't forget, Diesel fans, make sure and head on over to Mishimoto.com. Check out the cooling products that they have for your either new truck or your older one. And if you're a shop owner out there, business, need to keep product, you know, getting to your shop or shipping out to your customers, check out Turn 14 Distribution. Give them a call if you're not set up. They have a super easy system to be able to order parts, check inventory. they got warehouses across the country as well, so regardless of what time zone you're in, you can get help pretty much the entire business day. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.